they're going to be running Exotic Smash Mouth, which is just Hawaiian remixes of uh, of nineties uh, band. <laughs> <laughs> So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be focusing on the AFC South and the AFC West in our divisional previews, but first we're going to have a look at some of the news. So hey guys, we've got myself Connor, we've got Harry, hey, and we've got Ronan. Hello. Up in-house this time, all the way up from Cork. Dion. <laughs> yeah, we are all pretty Dion. Um, it was my belated birthday party last night, and uh, at the time it didn't feel like we were drinking that much, but we we were. On reflection, we drank a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were coming in. Uh, Harry was there. Say, Ron was staying out with me, and uh, we were coming in. We got to the uh, we got to the bus stop. We sat down, and uh, now I believe I believe the the excuse uses it. You're just not used to this level of bus fumes, but uh, he had to go and sit down in the corner for a while because he thought he might get sick on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All my prior moments. Uh, we've, we've all been <laughs> Not there. Not getting sick. Uh, we, we've all been there. So I had to get a. I had to uh, go out to Maynooth a few years ago, get the train, and um, I got a phone call five minutes before the train left saying, Are you at the train station? To which I said, Yeah, of course. I was still in bed, absolutely dying. Um, I lived just around the corner from Connolly, so it was fine at the time. So I, I ran over, sprinted down. Um, one of my friends was holding the door of the train open, stopping it from leaving. <laughs> and I got on it, and then I spent the entire ride to Maynooth. Uh, arguing about the ethics of vomiting on a dart because I was this close. <laughs> You're like, well, it's so early. Surely they'll have staff that they can swap this carriage out. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll just go down the back. Nobody will mind. But yeah, so um, so there's a few bits to get through today. In fact, so we were going to record last week, uh, but we decided we were going to hold off because Fitz is going to be up live. Unfortunately, if we recorded last week, this would have been a far quicker podcast than it currently is going to be because a shitload of stuff has happened in the last week. So we'll start flying through the news, and I mean flying through lads. We'll try and keep this nice and quick. Deflate gauge. Tom Brady's appeal has been rejected. Uh, his only option would be go to go to the Supreme Court. He said he's not going to. There's a potential chance that the NFL Players Association. We'll look at continuing it, but we don't realistically see that as happening. I, for one, am just happy that we might be able to stop talking about this shit now. Yeah, it's over. It's finally over. You kind of do want to see the Supreme Court case happen just for the laugh, but if we never have to discuss this again, I'm happy. And I'm sure we won't discuss it all for the first five weeks of the season. Just straight up watching Ruth Bader Ginsburg not give a fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the only interesting thing might be whether the NFLPA will put much into trying to get a stay on the suspension if they do take it to the Supreme Court. Because obviously they they don't probably have as much self-interest in emphasizing that part of the case. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's about about precedent and about the CBA and not about... And about the the level of control Goodell Goodell has. Exactly. (laughs) I I, I almost went full gap yard student now. Goodall. Goodall and Parah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting when the next round of CBA negotiations roll around. But until then, I think we can thankfully finally put a pin in this story. Great. And stop caring and all get on the Goat Droppolo train. Yay. Put a pin in it and watch it slowly, slowly deflate. (laughs) (laughs) The next big news, I suppose, will be uh, Dennis Green died, uh, previous head coach in the NFL. Second African-American head coach. But Harry, you you were were reading up on this chap because you know a little bit more about him than we do. Uh, So do you want to give us just a quick backstory? Yeah, it's it's an interesting story because he was actually, uh, he obviously started off as a a player, he's a running back then, uh, did various coaching gigs and ultimately was head coach in, in college where he actually was not very successful. I think he only had one winning season uh, with Stanford as a, as a head coach. Uh, he also coached uh, Northwestern. 
Um, but after that, he, he was hired by the Minnesota Vikings, and he had um, was initially an extremely uh, long and uh, successful career there. Um, like the great Minnesota Vikings teams of the, that period with Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss, that was those are Dennis Green head coach teams. Um, the fifteen and one team that was him. Huge upswing in, in Minnesota's fortunes. Now it ended on a bit of a bum note. He had one bad season and left. He then uh, <laughs> he then tipped on down to Arizona, where things went quite poorly. He had three poor seasons, and it all ended with that infamous uh, they were who we thought they were meltdown in the press conference after uh, they lost to the Rex Grossman quarterback Bears in a game that they really, really should not have lost. And that was sort of that was sort of the end of it. But the sex cannon defeated him. Yes, uh, slain by the dragon. Yeah, like it's, it's interesting if you look at it. Like a lot of um, African American personnel and also uh, journalists have come out and said that he sort of inspired them, showing that there could be you know success for an, for an African American in what was still obviously particularly in coaching positions, an extremely white dominated league. Yeah. So I think he was sort of in in that regard. He was sort of one of those guys, first guys to sort of break down that barrier and show that you could uh, find success. And obviously, it didn't end as well as it could have. But for the period where he was successful, the, that Minnesota team was extremely good. It's not really one of those things like where you look back at Buddy Ryan and say, "Oh, he changed the way football was played." But he certainly was part of a change in the culture. And I don't think you can underestimate that. And I don't think you can underestimate his importance to Minnesota. And although it was unsuccessful in Arizona, um, it's interesting. Kurt Warner uh, credits Dennis Green with actually being the one who convinced him to. To, to go to Arizona, yeah. but uh, certainly, yeah, certainly culturally a very important figure, and for his for that period of time, one of the more successful head coaches. He didn't have a losing season, I think, for his first ten seasons yeah. as a head coach, which is very, very impressive. It's crazy. Like, uh, so obviously sad to see his passing. Uh, he's one that, to be honest, I didn't know a huge amount about because I think it was probably he was more relevant, kind of pre or probably getting into the NFL because it was quite a while back. Yeah, his time would have been in the nineties, and then obviously in the yeah. early two thousands was the run with Arizona. No, of course, but uh, but no, very interesting chap, and I think if, if nothing else, let me read into a bit more and kind of see a little bit more about him. We had tags. Tag time, uh, because it's the quiet period. We say the quiet period, there's so much shit to talk about here. <laughs> Tags, uh, outcomes from these, uh, some deals, some no deals. Uh, obviously, big one, Von Miller's deal got done. Six years, 70 million guaranteed, 45 million fully guaranteed. I'm very confused and don't love this combo of like, this is guaranteed, but this is fully guaranteed. Like, guaranteed is a term that should not need the qualifier fully put on it. But in the NFL, it's necessary. Like, fully guaranteed basically is your signing bonus and anything that you get uh, in the first year. Basically before your first training camp, I think, whatever. For showing up your first training camp. Um, and everything, every other guarantee is, is injury dependent. Like, if you get injured, you get it, but they can cut you and not have to pay that out. So, 145 million lads with... Uh, 45 slash 70 million guaranteed here. Uh, I seem to be saying this every week, but it's the market. Um, it's what you need to pay your top players. And I think... You, you are a big, a big big fan of Ayn Rand. I am not. <laughs> I object to that. <laughs> full communism. Full communism, my friends. But, uh, no, market solves, uh, Well, yeah, the market solved for Vaughn in this case. Like Denver would have been insane to let him walk. Uh, particularly given the, what they're looking into their season being with their situation on the offense and quarterback, they need more than ever now to say this defense can keep being the caliber of defense it has been for the last uh, last couple of seasons. That's, yeah, it's, it's a really important move. And obviously with Peyton retiring, a bit of money, he was obviously freed up by that kind of stuff. And with not replacing Peyton, that obviously left them with more money to play around with. So, so I'm paying Mark Sanchez like one twentieth of what they were paying. <laughs> Only got three fifty. Like. No, it, it it makes sense. It's a great deal for Vaughn, but it's an essential deal for Denver. So we knew this was going to get done, and you know, fair play to fair play to Vaughn Miller for absolutely maximising 
his potential through obviously his negotiation, but also through his play yeah. that did, led to this. I did, I did love the play his uh, his agent made, where he basically went to them in the middle of like the breakdowns of one of the the discussion. He was just like, "I'm just going to tell you now, are you okay with me going looking for trades?" And they're like, "We've got the tag on him. It'll take two first rounds." They're like, "We know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think it's one of those rare situations where the player probably has the same amount of leverage that they would have in free agency in terms of extracting maximum value because I think so many people left that Denver team this this offseason primarily because they were expecting to have to pay Von Miller a shit ton of money. So I think it's quite interesting uh, to see like like if you're good enough, if you're actually an elite player like Von Miller and you're good enough, you can actually get as much money as you probably would get on the free agency market. I think he wouldn't have got a massive amount more uh, from some other team. Maybe the Browns, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other deals that got done, we had Mo Wilkerson, five years, 86 million, of which 53 million-ish guaranteed, 37 million-ish fully guaranteed. <laughs> Fuck's sake. This was a bit of a surprise, I don't think everyone was expecting this to happen. Realistically, they've got a lot of lime in there, they've got a lot of people who are competing for the money. I think people were expecting money to go into sorting their quarterback scenario rather than anything else. I'll start with you on this one, Fitz. Uh, what's your take on the Mo Wilkerson deal? Well, it was announced after the deadline had already passed, so people had actually assumed that the deal hadn't been made, but then uh, the Jets threw it up on Twitter, and it was pretty interesting. I think this is, it's a, I think he's worth this money to our team. It's a question of whether they trust Leonard Williams coming through that he's as elite as he, he seemed very good last season, but is he good enough to take over from Bo Wilkerson? And the, right now, probably not. In the future, certainly that's, that's quite possible. But I think, you know, if you have an elite defence and you have a coach who kind of likes to play from the defensive end in top bowls, then it makes sense to, to keep the elite pieces that you have. Mo Wilkerson is, an, is a great player, and he's shown that for his entire career. Uh, the one question mark, of course, is that he's coming off injury uh, right now, uh, and see how he comes back from that after uh, coming after an injury, coming after getting paid, see if he's the same disruptive force he is. But I don't see any reason why he can't be, and he won't be. Fair enough. Next one, uh, Harry, I'll come to you on this one. Uh, Eric Berry didn't get a deal, so they were apart on where they wanted to be. Apparently, there's, there's a lot of coverage of this story that uh, that they wanted a essentially a, a get-back clause of if he had to leave because of getting sick again, uh, that they would essentially get back some of the contract money. Uh, what's weird is I, I don't, my version of it is I don't think that had anything to do with the contract negotiations breaking down, purely just an insurance thing. I think it's just more that's an oddity to see in a, in a discussion. I think the difference was actual just hard cash differences of where they think his value sits. Obviously, personally, I'd rather see a long-term deal so it would free up a bit of cap space because I think he's costing £14 million on the tag. But uh, like, what's your, what's your thoughts on this no deal? Yeah, and no, I think you I think pretty much summed it up there. Um, there's clearly more going on than we've been privy to. Obviously, the disability insurance thing uh, is something that you would expect Barry's side to focus on because it makes the Chiefs look bad, basically. Yeah. And you can see where they're coming from with that, in fairness. It is a bit, given given what he's been through, it is yeah. a bit, bit harsh. But that's that's business. That's the way the league operates. Mm. These are, at the end of the day, businesses. Mm. Um, as much as you may not like the methods of that. Like, Barry's very important in that defense. And we saw the difference. He's a difference maker. Yeah. So not getting that sorted out is a problem now. Maybe something will, you know, change here. But it... It, it looks like there's there's it's not going to get resolved, and we could be looking at Barry moving on next year. In which case, I'm not sure what the Chiefs' plan B is. Oh no, indeed. And like this is the thing: next year, there's a couple of other players like Poe and stuff that are coming up. Now, 
one of the one of the discussions is if they paid Barry his money, would they be able to afford to keep Poe and so on? So this is, I think, it's going to roll into a very interesting discussion come next off season about what, who they're going to keep and who they're going to move on from. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey also did not get a deal. Apparently, he was looking for number one money. They did not want to give him number one money. Is this a big issue or not really? He's, I think he he probably has the skills to be a number one receiver, but he hasn't been on the field. And he hasn't really shown that he can stay in the field consistently and be that number one. He wants to be paid like a Julio Jones and wasn't, wasn't willing to accept kind of like the Doug Baldwin, Keenan yeah. Allen money that we saw earlier in the offseason. Invariably, when you know there's a difference between the team and the player, then the tag is the likely outcome. Mm-hmm. I think he has a chance this year, particularly with Kevin White coming back, to see if he can be that elite number one. Because if Kevin White outperforms him or just stays on the field more than him, then the Chicago Bears are going to be pretty happy that they didn't sign him for a long-term deal for a lot of money. No, so, of course. I think no one was. I think the expectation was that this tag probably was going to be stuck on him, and he's just going to have to play through it and prove himself. Yeah, the least surprising no deal of this tag situation. Kirk Cousins no deal. He was offered. 15 or 16 million a year 24 million guaranteed he gets 20 or 21 million on the tag and he's very vocal about the fact he's happy to try and prove it this year and then up his value so there's not really much to be said we kind of knew that one was coming in uh, Tremaine Johnson no deal everyone expected it but we didn't really hear anything about it uh, like what's your take on this is there any insider information here from you Fitz? No, like I think that like it was pretty much expected. I don't think I don't think they trust him fully, but I think they're willing to see if he can be their CV one. Obviously, they had a choice between him and Jenkins. They chose him, so it's weird that there wasn't more movement at all. But mm. from the sounds of it, it was basically both sides didn't really weren't close at all during no. the off season. The Rams with incompetent personnel management. <laughs> I don't even know. What to, actually, did you hear anything about the? There's a probably going to be a class action lawsuit over this over the Rams move in that they said they won't refund the licenses of people who bought oh, right. the seat licenses for St. Louis and they've said they're just going to keep the money and oh. move to LA at the moment yeah so there's going to be there's probably going to be a class action lawsuit over that so that will be very interesting to see um, yeah Silent Stan as an Arsenal fan I can I can attest to Silent Stan is kind of an asshole yeah now I suppose Harry I'll come to you on this because I know it's your favourite kicker watch yes uh, Justin Tucker gets a four year deal 16.8 million like nearly 11 guaranteed on this uh, is that some sweet kicking action yeah look I mean he's a very good kicker uh, he's a very very good kicker he's definitely top five in the league not top three but no it makes sense and the interesting thing is obviously with the PAT being moved back and now they're making plans to um potentially narrow the goalposts. Mm. Uh, if that goes through, I think we're going to see more of these deals because we're going to see actually more of a premium on kickers. And I think because we also saw with the situation in Pittsburgh and Jacksonville uh, last season that having a crappy kicker really can cause oh, some problems, yeah. uh, particularly when you've got to rotate. You can't just keep, have this rotating carousel. Like, it's a good time for Tucker to reach that point because we're in a state of uncertainty and change with the kicking position and we've seen the problems instability can cause. So, um, yeah, it's a good deal. It's a good deal for the Ravens to keep a guy who's extremely reliable and accurate and has a big leg. And also, it will, like I said, be interesting to see if this sets the market going forward uh, as the more changes happen in that position. Yeah, good job, Justin. You kick your way to a to a nice retirement fund. So, from people getting paid and doing good things with their careers to people doing essentially less good things to their careers, uh, suspension watch. We have four players all involved in substance abuse policy. Uh, although one of them is for missing a test rather than failing a test, we have. Lev Bell for four games, Carlos Williams for four games, Aaron Lynch for four games, and Arthur Jones for four games. Suppose who do you want to chat about first, Harry? Well, we'll get we'll get the unimportant stuff out of the way first. I think. Yeah. Um, Aaron Lynch, decent player for the for the Niners. 
it's going to be a bit of a problem missing him because he was one of the few sort of bright-ish spots on their defense. But, uh, you know, it's it's the Niners. God knows what's going to happen anyway. Like, Chip Kelly was probably going to line him up at defensive guard. I don't know. And the other one that doesn't really matter that much is Arthur Jones. Um, good player in Baltimore. Hasn't been able to reproduce for the Colts. Has been injured an awful lot. And I'm pretty sure just got into his brother's stash at some point. Uh, so we're all waiting for... Uh, as I was going to say, we're all waiting for Chandler to have his moment, but he, he didn't he have the thing with the spice last year. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Ryan was like, I've taken a load of synthetic marijuana. <laughs> at least, at least, you know, at least he, he did the right thing there. Uh, so yeah, bad times for the Jones family all around between John and Arthur. But yeah, so it's unlikely to have a, a huge impact on either the Niners or the Colts season, but the other two are more interesting. Yeah, so I'll take Carlos Williams. Um, so yeah, like he showed a lot of excitement uh, last year, busy kind of playing second fiddle to Shady. Uh, got, and Shady was injured a bit so got a bit of a chance there had a lot of spectacular plays had very good I think over 5 yards per carry last season was a good a good out of the backfield in terms of catching the ball um, they obviously have Shady McCoy there so they can survive it so, but it's obviously kind of disappointing for them that they won't be able to it'll probably undermine their ability to be that ground and pound offence that uh, the Ryan brothers like so much um, but yeah, I think overall uh, it's a, it's definitely a hit for them. But I think they should be able to survive it for four games. It's yeah. been a rough, uh, rough uh, off season for for Carlos uh, between this and turning up was twenty pounds overweight because yeah. he'd been having a sympathetic pregnancy. Like that's it. Whereas more likely he was just got the munchies. <laughs> Hanging out with Trent Richardson. Like. That's it. And then I suppose the big one, the probably most impactful one of these is uh, Lev Bell. Obviously, he's uh, he's missed a number of tests, so they've. Decided to battle for four weeks, or four games, rather. Um, obviously, you know, sucks for you if you already drafted your fantasy league, because uh, someone's listening for the first four games there, at least. Uh, it's a survivable thing. Like, we've seen, especially, like, last season, you can see how, like, they, they're able to work around missing players. Obviously, it's going to be a bit of a hit for them, especially if they want to come out and hit the, hit the ground running. But, uh, like... You know, four games isn't the end of the world. You should know this well. Four games is not the end of the world. <laughs> missing a player for right, Harry? Well, I mean, depends which player it is. But we've seen Pittsburgh can survive. DeAngelo Williams is probably the best backup running back in the league. He easily could be starting. I would teams. contend that the the three headed beast in Kansas City has better. Well, we don't know. Depth. We don't know what's going to happen with those guys, and as the time goes on, but potentially yes. But Williams was was great last season when he stepped in for uh, for Bell. He was, he did and uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint is also a extremely exciting young back. But it is a blow again to Pittsburgh, who've already lost Martavis Bryant. Bell will probably, yeah, he will survive, as you say. This is technically his first defense because his prior suspension was for a DUI rather than a failed NFL-administered test. He'll, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's not gonna, probably not going to lead to another Josh Gordon situation at this stage. Um, I think he could appeal these as well. Also, did, I don't know if you caught this, but you know when they uh, tested him? No. 20th what? of April. Oh, 420. They tested him on 420, <laughs> yep. And if you actually look, there's a tweet from his account from that day. I think it's probably been deleted, but you can see on the archives, which says, random test on 420. Yeah, good luck with that sample. So <laughs> he probably knew this was coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like Lev Bell, a bit of a loss, but like they'll, they'll they'll be able to weather it. I still think they're an explosive offense, and I still think, even missing him and Martavis Bryant uh, for those for those first couple of games, they're still going to look quite good. Uh, other contract signings, these are a little bit smaller. Uh, Arian Foster has now found a home. He's with the Dolphins, a one-year deal. 1.5 million uh, with incentives. It can go up to three and a half, four. It's very much it's a contract which will allow them, if he's not working out, to cut him before the season happens at minimal cost. It's kind of a proven deal... Although there is, there's, there's an element of me where I, I always liked Arian Foster, I thought he was very good back, 
but I understand he's thirty. He's had two injuries now. Uh, you you don't know how to trust him. But I I I'm never a big fan of seeing these guys coming in on such small contracts at that point and just having to work for essentially pittance of what what their value potentially is. And I understand the business element of it, but I I, I don't love these scenarios when they happen. Yeah, it's a great deal for Miami. And if like even before he got injured, so we don't know what it's going to be like come back from the latest one. But we've seen him come back from injury and play well. We saw him play well before he got injured last season. Uh, he was averaging so, like two point six yards a game. He was a <laughs> dismal offense, though. Um, not his backups are doing better. Like I, he was, he was, no, and he was, he was making impactful plays, and you could see the, the difference without him. Like it's a great deal for Miami. That's really all there is to say about it. And you know, he is a great guy. He's 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 very funny. He's very smart. And he's a good player when he when he can play divisional rival and all that, but hopefully it does work out for him because he seems like one of the good dudes. Eugene Monroe, we talked about him on the previous podcast, uh, medical marijuana advocate. Uh, he's retired uh, apparently on the basis of CTE fears. Uh, I would say it's partially CTE fears, and more more directly, no one wants to fucking sign him. But yeah, so he's gone. But if you want to know more about him, listen back to the old podcasts. Like we spent enough time chatting him the last time. Crime report of the week. Yay. Uh, Mike Williams, the running back, is a DWI. What do you think, Harry? Yeah, it's, well, I mean, Bill's obviously lacking a bit of depth now at running back, but, like, we don't really know what the impact of that's going to be, what the impact of him would have been. So, obviously, bad, but, you know, not a disaster. Fair enough. Shady McCoy is not going to get punished by the NFL for the infraction where they had a, like, a fist fight with off, off-duty police officers or something. Uh, surprising? Uh, not really. I think it's kind of just kind of one of those situations where there probably wasn't enough evidence to, to really do anything. And, you know, I think the NFL sometimes might realise adding suspensions for things where you don't really have enough evidence might be the best situation. <laughs> yeah, and we've also got no charges expected uh, for Aguilar. This is for, the, for the, the car running into the pond, isn't it? No, no, no. That was, uh, he did fall asleep at the wheel, actually. Yeah, that was pretty That was pretty scary. Um no, he. This is for the sexual assault allegations uh, on the on the stripper. Oh um, yes, of course. Yeah, the, the other thing, you know, that thing. Um, it's hard to keep on top of all these things. No, but Aguilar is. Yeah, charges have been dropped. Uh, lack of evidence. No decision not to prosecute. So you know, look, it's we don't know, but this is what's happened. This is what happens sometimes. There isn't enough evidence to prosecute a crime. It won't go to trial. So yeah, that's. We're just going to have to move on there. It's obviously not uh, like a Roethlisberger situation where he did sort of start going to trial and things went weird. You know, hopefully he didn't do it. Yep, here's hoping. And then obviously the big one that uh, just broke during the week, uh, like we're saying, if we'd only done this a week earlier, we could have avoided this. Let's just slap a load of allegedly's at the start of this. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. Ziggy Elliott has had a problem where his ex-girlfriend posted photos of herself with bruises, claiming that he had beaten her up. He's had now four or five witnesses go forward and say this did not happen. Uh, but obviously we would expect that to happen in any of these scenarios because they surround themselves with their own entourage. But apparently the the, the, the big news that's going on is that uh, apparently he has text messages from her saved on his phone. He's provided the phone to the Cowboys head office and to the, uh, and to the NFL uh, uh, discipline committee or whatever uh, that show at the point where he broke up with her, her sending him messages saying that uh, because he was breaking up with her, she was going to set him up and she was going to do this to try and get him in trouble, which obviously everything is kind of behind closed doors at the moment, I'm not sure. But uh, if that is the case, this is going to be a fucking story for the next month. Yeah, this is a mess. 
Um, so we have obviously the incident in the car, which is what you referred to, where witnesses who were apparently part of uh, Elliot's entourage say he didn't do it, which is to be expected, but still there are witnesses saying he didn't do it. Her allegations on Instagram said the abuse had gone back months, though, so that sort of changed the scenario. We also have a recorded 911 call from her where she reported him initially. And we have these texts, which we haven't seen. Uh, I think they're the only, pretty much the only part of this that hasn't been leaked uh, to... I was going to say the media, but it was mostly TMZ, so mm. not the media. Yeah, let's not, <laughs> let, let's not give them such an, a grand title. No, uh, to, to the gutter snipes. But yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a really, really difficult situation. There's no winner here, like either Ezekiel Elliott beat up his girlfriend or Ezekiel Elliott's girlfriend is trying to set him up. Neither of those are good for obvious reasons. I don't know what is a good resolution in this situation. I don't think there is one. Like, I suppose the best case scenario is that he didn't do it, but it, that's obviously still not great. It, it, it creates a wider problem then of, like... Because, let's be honest, even if he didn't do this, there is, and we've discussed this, quite a culture of stuff like this happening with yes. NFL players, and it hurts any further allegations anyone else might have that are legitimate if it happens to be... Absolutely agree. I absolutely agree on that. So, like, this is going to take a while to sort itself out. Uh, as I understand, the police directed her to the prosecutor's office, so we'll see if there is a, a case comes from it. Yeah, like, just there's hopefully some way this is resolved that isn't a mess, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully it turns out that he's not a domestic abuser. Um, yeah, like, I pretty much agree with what Harry said. I suppose from the NFL perspective, I imagine them trying to keep out of this unless a smoking gun um, type of situation emerges. Because all the, the evidence right now... It's pretty circumstantial. So I imagine that from the NFL perspective, they'll be trying to... Hope, hoping, basically, this, this story goes away. Because um, it, it's, it's, it's gotten some traction, but it hasn't quite blown up and been like national uh, yeah. news yet. So I think it'll depend on that. If we end up getting some kind of Ray Rice, basically, type evidence coming up, then uh, I'm sure the NFL will get involved. But until then, I imagine, uh, with all the evidentiary problems, that uh, this might end up getting dropped. No, of course. And then the only other thing, I suppose, is the supplemental draft happened. Uh, the, the the greatest of all the drafts, uh, where, where where all the best players go. The Pro Bowl of drafts, yes. one might say. Uh, Hype! <laughs> uh, no one was picked. <laughs> but two have been picked up as free agents uh, afterwards. So best of luck to you, but That'll move us on to, uh, to our chat about the AFC South and the AFC West. So, on to the AFC South. Uh, uh, we'll start with the Colts, I suppose. Uh, big ins for them. Andrew Duck is back. Ryan Kelly, uh, Patrick Robinson. They've lost Tassabek, Kobe Fleener, Greg Toler. I suppose a team that was expected to do much better last year than they did. How much you put that on the injury scenario with Andrew Duck is up to yourself. Is this a scenario where they can get it all together again? They've just paid him a substantial amount of money to be their quarterback for the future got a potential to be a good team they've addressed their their line a bit with the draft of Kelly as the centre and that was a running running joke essentially for them where uh, was it last year they said uh, why haven't you addressed the line they said uh, well he's, he's he's had a bad line for three years surely you should have adjusted to it by now we say there's an awful lot about a lot of these ones. I think it's a team that is trying to find its 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 feet, trying to find its identity. It knows it's got a good quarterback. It's still kind of 50-50 on some of its receivers because drafting all of the same type of receiver at all times. Never really managed to get a running game going, which would be good to see, uh, like both in blocking protection and keeping, keeping people guessing. I don't see this being a big turn-the-corner year for them. I see it being them getting back to middle of the pack and then being able to look at their deficiencies from there after a year with luck playing and then being able to address themselves moving forward because of that uh, 
But what's your take on them, Harry? I think the team has an identity. I think the identity is old and bad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of an issue with them. Now, they have yeah, Ryan Kelly and Laraven Clark as well. It's important that they short up the O-line. That's good. It's a step in the right direction, particularly after last season. And I think Luck wasn't playing well even before he got hurt. That's it. So, but hopefully, you know, he'll have had some time to recover and uh, will come back, in, come back in good form and play like the exciting quarterback we know he can be. The defense is still not great. The running game is still not great. And the defense, like, I don't think Patrick Robinson is going to fix what has been quite a poor backfield. Mm. So, but I think, you know, there's, there's a hope there. And like you say, to get them back, to get them back on their feet and they can push forward. Like, the line is going to be better. Uh, Luck will hopefully back up to form. And what you've also got is that they need to go back to what they were doing with Dwayne Allen beforehand. They went away from him massively last season and that was a problem. They need to get the tight ends involved again because that was a very successful formula for them when they had uh, Allen and Fleener. Now Fleener is gone. But Allen was probably the better player anyway. So I think they can do that, run more quick sort of short plays that don't have luck hanging around in the pocket and then run for his life three seconds later, get some more solidity into the line and then move forward. But like you said, I, I would agree that this is not, not, not a rebuild or anything like that, but this is a season about basically finding the platform, finding yeah. what works and then pushing on from here. Although obviously with the luck contract situation, you would think the expectations are probably going to be a bit higher than that. No, of course. What are you yourself? It's... Yeah, well, since they drafted Andrew Luck, they have basically relied on him to drag this entire team along with him, and they've they've made some improvements for the O line. But you know, a good O line can do a lot of things, but it, its job is a lot harder if your defense can't keep if your defense can't keep the offense off the field or can't keep the score down. So Andrew Luck has to throw uh, you know fifty yard passes every fucking five seconds. And if you don't have a good run game, then obviously people will zero in and under look. So many of the same problems which created the injuries last year are still there. So you really have to ask whether you should expect much more. So it basically all comes down to how good you think Andrew Luck is. Do you think he is an elite number one quarterback up there with the Aaron Rodgers and can basically drag a team single-handedly? Or is he a little bit overrated and won't be able to do that? He has kind of done it previously when he first came in. Let's see if the injury and other situations uh, lead to continued deterioration in his play because he seems to have regressed as he's gone on, uh, in all honesty. Um, and after an injury, we don't know how he'll react to that. That said, he will be significantly quicker this year. He had shaved his beard off during the summer. <laughs> so the neard is gone. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so like, like, I, think, I think we're all relatively in agreement here where it's a team that has potential, but we don't think this is the year they're going to do it. This is the year where they set their baseline and then they figure out from there. I wonder if that will be reflected in what we think the predictions of this team are going to be. So say, Harry, what do you reckon? I have them going 8-8, eight and eight, and uh, that's going to be enough to win this division. Okay, uh, so you're, you're not buying into the overall AFC South hype. <laughs> yeah, no, funnily enough, I'm uh, not. What about yourself, Ronan? I'm going 7-9. Ah, I think that's a smart move, because I also have them going 7-9. <laughs> but yeah, I think we've all got them sat there where they'll win a few games, they'll lose a few games, almost in equal amounts, there thereabouts. Uh, the next team we're going to have a quick look at then is the Jaguars. Uh, eternally a team that is going to be this year got Malik Jackson Jalen Ramsey Fowler and Jack all coming in lost uh, was Nesky Clemens Brian Anger which you know probably Metallica's best album uh, I think his claim to fame is that he was drafted before Russell Wilson yeah. <laughs> worked out real well for the Jags didn't it so obviously there's question marks on this the management have been incredibly good at giving time to the, to the coaching staff to try and put something together here they've been supportive but this is a team that 
has now had lots and lots of high picks. Now, to be fair to them, they didn't have them play necessarily the year they drafted them. But, you know, they've had lots of picks. Their offense is starting to click a lot better. They've got a young quarterback that they're all excited about. They've got good receivers in the in the Allens. They've got uh, they've got quite quite a lot going there. Although this is meant to be a defensive minded coach and we haven't seen this defence do shit so far. They've added pieces there. You have to see that take a leap this year for for them to them to progress. I'm not as high on Blake Bortles as other people are. Uh, I think he's grand, but I don't think he's the, oh my God, he's definitely the quarterback of tomorrow. Kind Bit of, of a garbage time king. Yeah, like the, I saw the stats on that, that like, you know, something like 40% of his touchdowns came when the, when the game was well out, like well out of reach. It was just uh, going around. Like, so I suppose there's, there's potential here. I think we're going to see an upswing but I do also think that this is a year where they have to see an upswing and a relatively sizable one or they might finally uh, finally let some of that coaching staff go what's your thoughts on the fits? yeah like I, I pretty much agree with you like this is they've given like Shad Khan has given a lot of patience towards the, this coaching staff and they haven't really been rewarded so far they've put together an exciting team but not one which can actually win games and that's all that matters in the NFL mm. so like I think they put it in the sweet jacuzzi tubs Cabanas, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like you have an exciting offense. Like there's a lot of pieces on that offense, and they added like players like Chris Ivory um, to try and like add like a hard nose running back into that thing. Probably trying to replicate a bit of Marshawn Lynch there. Mm. But uh, I think on the offense, you kind of know what they have. They have an exciting offense, but can they put it together when it really matters? Can they put it together in close games? Close games out, not just getting to shootouts every week. And then on the defense. It's really a question of whether like, they bring in someone like Malik Jackson, they pay him a lot of money, is he a bedrock that you can build your defence around? They bring in Jalen Ramsey, can he fix that like, secondary or add something that secondary that takes him to the next level? There's just, like, this is a team that should be theoretically on the cusp of moving towards being a challenger in the AFC, but we've said this, like, the problem is you know, it's repeated itself so many times at this point that we're all, all a bit sceptical about it. But on paper, this should be a good team. Um, I think it's a case of slow progress from the Jags. I think we are going to see progress this season, but there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of a lot of new parts. I think they're going to take a little while to bed down, bed in, and get sorted out. I think the patience will continue if we see progress because for that exact reason, because there's been a lot of changes this season. I don't think there's going to be a massive swing, but there is certainly potential uh, there, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that potential realised. But I think this team is still a year or two away from actually becoming a challenger if it continues going in the direction it's going in. I would be inclined to agree with Connor in terms of Bortles. I don't think he's as good as people say he is. Um, I think he's very good at some things. He's, I know it's, this is a comparison that's made, but I think there is it's truth to it in that he is essentially a poor man's Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he does a lot of the same stuff, just less well. Maybe he will continue to kick on and continue to develop, but right now... Uh, I don't see him being like that kind of, you know, as Andrew Luck when he came into the league kind of guy. Um, but there's certainly there's certainly a lot of potential there, but I think it is for the Jags a question of increments, a question of like getting all these young, exciting pieces and getting the system to work around them and finding how they need to play to, as you say, win games properly rather than just try and just put more points on the board and the opponents. Obviously, that's how you win games. But I mean, in that sense of just that shootout sense that you referred to. Yeah, like just thinking back to that Jaguar... Titans game from last year is a, it was a perfect example of the kind of game where you see two teams can't close games actually yeah. <laughs> but yeah so like yeah so we see a lot of potential here uh, but there's also potential risk here because like we said 
they've given a lot of rope to this to this coaching staff and they're going to want to see results sooner rather than later. So with that in mind, Harry, you've gone for... I have them going 7 and 9. Okay, and uh, Ronan? 9 and 7. Yeah, I've got the 9 and 7 as well. I've got the 9 and 7 and winning the division. So I also don't have a huge jump <laughs> on this. Uh, I'm, I'm giving one more win to the division winner, but... Uh, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting year for them. We'll see. Uh, maybe, maybe this year it will be their year. So next up, we've got the Texans. We've got uh, Brock, the crustacean sensation, Osweiler, has uh, just managed to get himself paid through the fucking nose. Uh, he's in there. Lamar Miller's in there. Will Fuller's in there. They've lost Aaron Foster, Brandon Brooks, Ben Jones. Uh, this is a team that people like a lot, and I don't get the... I don't really feel the love for them in any way, shape, or form like everyone else does. Uh, I think they've massively overpaid for a quarterback that's unproven. I think I love I love the addition of Lamar Miller. I think he'll work out very nicely for them there. But this is still a team with the problems that they had last year. Like this is a team that was able to to, to get to the postseason, but then couldn't score a point in the postseason. Like they are an okay team who are lacking in certain areas and have a kind of pompous self-importance where they feel that they are much better and much closer to the end point than they are and that's just J.J. Watt yeah but J.J. Watt I suppose it doesn't help I cannot fucking stand J.J. Watt he does my fucking head in very good defence but they're missing some pieces now will this offence be able to gel is a big question I don't think it will I don't think Osweiler even when he was winning games with Denver he wasn't him winning games in Denver it was that defence winning games in Denver I, I I just don't buy into this new offense they've built whatsoever, so I don't have them doing particularly strong at all. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, I agree. Uh, probably more so than you do. <laughs> I feel stronger about this than you do. I think that the offense legitimately sucks and is going to. I don't rate Brock Osweiler. I don't even describe. I don't rate Lamar Miller. I've never rated Lamar Miller. Like he's fine. Uh, I don't think he's going to bring back the what they had when Aaron Foster was in his pomp. I don't think he's even going to be close to that. Obviously, J.J. Watt is injured. He's going to miss part of the season as much as we all dislike him. He's a very important part of that defense. The defense, other than what will probably be fine, I mean, you've got guys like Whitney Merciless and Jonathan Joseph who are, who are very good players, but there's only so much you can do with a good but not great defense overall uh, when your offense is non-existent. And to be honest, I just don't buy into Brock at all. I don't buy into the running game other than... Uh, other than Nuke, who is a fantastic player, I don't buy into their receivers at all either. I'm just not sure how this team scores points. Uh, I'm not sure how this team moves the ball. And I think this team is going to be bad. And I think they're going to regress from what we've seen. So I'm, I'm quite down on Houston at the moment. I have a little bit more faith in them uh, than you guys. Uh, primarily because of uh, two major reasons. On the offense, I think... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is an amazing player and showed last last season that you can almost just build an offense around throwing it to DeAndre Hopkins. But, but do you, do you, do you think that Brock Lobster can throw it to DeAndre Hopkins? I think anyone can throw it to DeAndre Hopkins. I think DeAndre Hopkins takes down the ball. His uh, catch radius is insane. Yeah, like so. If you get in the right in the right place, I think you always have a chance there. I also have a lot more faith, perhaps, in the coaching staff. And I think Bill O'Brien showed last year that He's he can take. Coach. He can take a bad situation, like he can make a personnel fuck up in terms of the quarterback situation, but still turn it around during the season and actually build a decent team. Now, obviously, the way it ended showed the kind of lack of quality that existed on the team last year, but they've added some interesting pieces this year to try and, and supplement that. Like, I don't think, like, you know, whatever you think of 
Brock, you know, he's not much of a downgrade <laughs> over <laughs> their previous quarterbacks over the last few years. They haven't had good quarterback play in years, so I don't think there's a situation where this team uh, needed that to do okay or at least be competitive. So I think they have a track record of doing something with mediocre quarterback play. It's now whether they go to next level. Now, the J.J. Watt injury, if that persists or becomes or affects its play, that will have a major effect. But you do have other upside things, such as Javon Clowney, can he finally put it together for a season? Because when he was actually on the field, he actually looked very good. I think technically limited, but his pure physical strength was still there, and that will be enough to, to make changes on the play. So if he can start coming along, and they can reduce their reliance on like aging players like Vince Wilford, I definitely think this defence can continue to be as good as it was last season. Fair enough, fair enough. So with that in mind, what have you given them this year, Ron? I have them going 8-8. Eight Okay. Uh, right this entire division is kind of mediocre. <laughs> uh, Harry, I have him going four and twelve, and I have him going six and ten. So we'll see. Like I think the AFC South is a division where an eight and eight team could win it. And then on to the the, the pedigree of the uh, of the AFC South, the Titans. Demarco Murray, Richard Matthews, Jack Conklin all in. Uh, Griffin Brown, Looney all gone. Uh, they're going to be running exotic Smash Mouth. Uh, which is just Hawaiian remixes of uh, of nineties uh, band. Uh, <laughs> should be should be interesting to see. It would be nice to see whether or not. I think the the main thing for me is whether or not Demarco Murray can come back and be a player like he was two years ago. If he fits the system better there or something. Like there's always a massive drop off whenever anyone has a four hundred carry season uh, the following year, and then they. I, I don't think they ever kind of return to the full level, but I think they bounce back two years afterwards uh, for the couple of instances that we, we, we've seen it happen. They've got their young quarterback that they're happy with, Mariota. They are expecting that this new fiddly offense is going to work. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I presume it's just smash mouth football with like an offset player or something. Uh, like <laughs> that's that's all it is. He's just like, oh, they've never seen this before. Big draft class picked up a lot of people, uh, so there's a lot of potential for change in this team. But it's it's a team that, and I think it's probably just by virtue of the period during which we've been watching football that I just never really trust the Titans to to, to turn it around all that much. They're like a slightly better version of like the Browns. If the Browns were eternally like two or three wins better, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm I'm not sure. There's a lot of moving pieces here, and I'd like to see how they work uh, all together. Uh, what are your self fits? I think the biggest problem for this team is that it's right now it's a better asset than it's a team. It's a better thing to sell off because I think there was a lot of rumors during last season that the that the ownership is looking to sell up, uh, the Adams family is looking to sell up this team, and all of the bits are there for this to be quite a valuable franchise in a few years' time. You have a head coach which you could probably get rid of without any controversy. You have lots of young players, including a franchise potential franchise quarterback. But for this season, there's far too many question marks from my mind to have them as really as a contender. Like they brought in DeMarco Murray, they uh, drafted Derrick Henry, uh, they had a massive draft class. So they've added a lot of talent there. But Mike Malarkey is not a good coach. He's a retread coach who hasn't done anything in the league and didn't show any, any reason last year to believe in him. And he comes out with these kind of exotic smash mouth meme, like basically bullshit, and it doesn't inspire any hope. Now, if you if you can get a good running game going, then you always have a chance, especially if you have a, a player like Mariota who could easily ascend into being, you know, one of a top ten quarterback if if things go right for him. But you know, just as easily he could get injured, uh, you know, on a run play, and then their entire season probably falls apart. I think there's major question marks on this defense still. That defense is pretty much average, and they didn't really add anything. 
uh, what I consider like massive pieces there. Like they drafted a lot of players, but you know it's hard to imagine a lot of like most of those players making a big impact year one. So yeah, for me this is a really good team. Like it's a really good team if you were looking to buy it and seeing where it would go. But for uh, for this season, I don't really see it being a challenger. Uh, I'm a little more positive about Tennessee than that. I, I agree with you on the coaching stuff. I think the malarkey thing doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but here we are. I think they're moving in the right direction. There's still obviously huge question marks about the uh, defensive backfield. Uh, the O-line, we don't know how these new pieces are going to work out, but from what we saw last year, it's generally pretty bad. And yes, there is the risk that Mariota gets injured, and then you've got Matt Castle in a quarterback, which is always fun. But I, I'm, I'm a bit more positive. You know, I think the young players they've got here are going to develop and are developing, like Mariota, Doriel Green, Beckham being another example. They've got a wealth of options at running back. Not only do you have... Um, uh, Murray and Derek Henry as you mentioned you've also got guys like Dexter McCluster who's limited but a very good third down back in passing situations you've got uh, David Cobb who showed flashes last year and, and they've sort of certainly got a lot of options in how they run the whatever this exotic smash mouth means they've got a lot of different ways they can run the football and a lot of different ways and different looks they can give to take the pressure off Mariota as well as obviously what he can do in running himself and passing the ball now the question is is Malarkey an imaginative and good enough head coach to exploit those options maybe not um, the defense, yeah, I agree. There are certainly flaws there, particularly in the back end. But they have added some some nice pieces. Like Kevin Dodd is a guy who I think could make a real difference. Avery Williamson, the young linebacker, had a very quietly had a very good season. It's not a huge change, but I think we're seeing a team that is moving in the right direction. We saw last season; it is generally moving in the right direction. If Mariota stays healthy, which of course is the big if, I think they're in a position to not do fantastically, but to have similar to Indianapolis in some ways, a solid season from which they can build, possibly with a change in coaching staff uh, going forward, because they do have some really exciting young pieces, and their flaws are obvious, and so they know what needs to be fixed moving forward. And unlike Indy, they have all those draft picks, obviously, from the, their trade yeah, uh, yeah. the second uh, draft position. So there's few, there's hope there. There's continued reason for optimism next season as well. No, of course. Like, I, think, I think you're right in that like, this, is, this is a good team if you're thinking of, like, Join the sport and wanting to pick a team that might be on the way up and a good one to follow for the next couple of years but they're not one that I'd hop into now and be like I, I'm going to hitch my wagon to how well these boys are going to do this year uh, you're the most positive Harry how positive are you? I am 8-8 eight and eight positive and ah. then not winning a division on tiebreakers the big 50-50 uh, what are yourself Roman? I've been going 6-10 and, and I'm slap bang in the middle on 7-9 and nine. Uh, so that's the Titans and I suppose that's the AFC South so we're going to move on to our final divisional preview we're going to move on to the AFC West so, I suppose first up, the uh, ring Super Bowl champions, the Broncos. Uh, they've added impacts on Lynch, Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez, uh, the Irish Bandit. <laughs> uh, you call him that, he's had more women than you'll ever have. Russell Okun. So, oh, did you not see his statement about how he's like, uh, oh, of course I'm going to be a better quarterback than these guys. I don't want really to have a girlfriend to distract me. Like, <laughs> what, what is he, fucking Tim Tebow? Yeah, like? No, no, it's like, it was just crazy. Uh, they've lost, obviously, Peyton Manning, uh, Brock Lobster, Malik Jackson. Uh, this is a team that I think could go either way in a lot of respects. They still maintained a lot of their incredibly good defence. They've lost Peyton Manning, who was their leader and stuff, but was not a particularly good player last year, if, if, if we're being honest about it. So... It's not like the loss of quarterback is going to affect a huge amount play-wise. I think it might affect significantly their ability to adjust at lines and see defense and stuff, because that was something that even though his arm was gone, he still had. Uh, the defense is still very strong, even with the losses that are there. And uh, 
Like I, I'm not sure. So as it stands at the moment, Mark Sanchez is apparently the the number one on their on their list. Uh, they're not expecting Paxton Lynch to be the day one starter, but it's also a spot where I can't really see Mark Sanchez captaining that team through an entire season. Uh, he just he just makes mistakes at all times. Like uh, it's a team that could be great. They have great pieces all over the ball, but I'm not sure about it coming together like it did I think it was very good to see it come together uh, last year it obviously all worked I'm not sure if you kind of get that lightning strike twice Uh, also let's be honest this is going to be a bloodbath of a division like all these teams are going to be strong well the Chargers for like four weeks then then not but we'll get on to them in a second it's going to be a tough run for them and I don't think they have the resilience to stand up to that run Uh, so I still think they're going to be strong but I think we're going to see a regression yeah Um, and I think think that's very accurate on a variety of levels firstly I agree completely this division is going to be a bloodbath Um, and secondly I agree that the quarterback situation is pretty much unacceptable because it's exactly what you said you say oh their quarterback sucked last year which is true but again Manning still knew how to read the game on a level that pretty much no other quarterback does or did uh, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady but Manning built his game around that they're going to lose that kind of leadership and that sort of intelligence on it they're also it's going to be interesting to see how their offensive coordinator deals with actually having to call plays yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be weird like, oh man can I not just follow Pitt Manning oh, well, 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 paid for doing nothing well let's we'll let Mark call the plays we'll let Mark call the plays it'll be grand right I'm going to but, pretend to hand it off and I'm going to run straight into your rectum yeah <laughs> Uh, they still have, you know, yeah, they still have good wide receivers. They still have a good running game if they stop putting Ronnie Hillman in and just let CJ Anderson do his thing. The defense has lost pieces, but it's still generally solid enough that it will win them games. Um, it's interesting if you actually look at what they're doing right now. They have about a million defensive rookies currently on the roster, like loads and loads and loads of them. So it's obvious to me that what they've done is because they've lost some pieces, they're just literally like being like, right, let's just scrape a bunch of guys in and one of these might work out. So that's a little bit concerning when you see that approach being taken, but it could work out for them if they unearth uh, a gem that they're looking for. Yeah, I think we're going to see the offense take a big step back even from where it was last season. I think we're going to see the defense take a small step back with some of the pieces they've lost and it's going to be very, very difficult for them to maintain the level that they were at last year. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like, it's kind of hard to imagine uh, that you get quarterback, worst quarterback played than Peyton Manning last year. He probably was the worst quarterback. Yeah. But the one thing he had was that the team believed in him. Like, they went back to him even though like they'd like given the Brock Oswald yeah, the strikes, yeah. and they're like they started having troubles like okay we'll bring back the totem Peyton Manning there, there's no one perhaps less totemic than Mark Sanchez <laughs> his mere presence makes you want to fall over presumably against someone's asshole that's the biggest problem it's not about the quality of the quarterback play it's about if the quarterback play is poor what will people think people will be like why the fuck are we playing or even paying Mark Sanchez right now and then Paxton like and Paxton Lynch will like if that goes if it goes really badly. Paxton Lynch will be brought in at some point. I reckon about six games in, and he'll he'll get some rope because he's a rookie. But you, as you mentioned, the fans expect another Super Bowl because you know you just won a Super Bowl. That's usually a pretty good indication you're going to do okay. And they're all dicks. John Elway screwed up a fair amount in this offseason. Oh, he screwed geez, up yeah. the quarterback situation. He lost a couple of players. Like in the de- like the defensive players that they lost would have been more difficult to keep and then they had that whole CJ Anderson basically the uh, oh yeah like matching the tender offer and yeah. stuff yeah so there was a lot of mistakes there 
but he's got a ring, so he'll probably get away with it. But I think this season, and he's, and he's, he's, he's like when you're saying Totemic, he's viewed in that city yeah. as it. Like he is the, he's, he is the, he's the big fucking swinging Mickey there. Yeah. Like there's going to be a hangover here, and I don't think they'll be good enough to, to kind of make up for the fact that they're playing Mark Sanchez. Fair enough. Uh, with that in mind, what have you got them going record wise? I've got them going nine and seven. Yeah, Harry? I have them going 8-8. Eight and eight. I have them going 9-7, and seven, but that is dependent on at what point uh, Mark Sanchez gets pulled and Paxton Lynch comes in. But yeah, so a bit of a regression, but still a fairly solid team, I think is what we're saying. Next up, we're going to have a look at the uh, the San Diego Superchargers, the nearly LA Superchargers, but <laughs> not quite. Uh, they've added in Joey Bosa, Casey Hayward, Benjamin and Allen, both in there on new deals. Lost Weddle, lost Green, lost Robinson, lost the support of the city. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lost their dignity. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, what I've been about is like, oh my God, imagine being in a spot where people are like, no, we'd rather hang out with the Rams. This is a team that, like we said last year, I think have an excellent starting 22, but they don't have the depth. And even though they're trying to address that a bit, they still don't have. So it's a team that can be excellent, like and probably will be for the first couple of weeks of the season, but they don't have the resilience to deal with injuries. And they got an abnormal amount of them last year, I think. So we won't expect to see it that badly. But I do think they had quite a lump of... Uh, they've, they've got a lot of potential for things to go very wrong very quickly on that team. They don't have... The, the depth essentially needed. Rivers is still playing to an excellent level, but he got sacked something fierce last year. Uh, they need to try and address that because he's not a young man anymore, and he has like twenty six kids to provide for. So, but he is like, he is an Ironman. He plays no matter what. He, mm. He's a bit suicidal in his tendency to play through all types of injuries uh, historically. So he has that going for him. He does. And he does have that sweet bolo tie. Um, <laughs> and he's very fertile. That's true. That's true. It's just like, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't even want to sack him in case I got pregnant. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, this is a team that has good receivers, good quarterback play. It's got a run game. It's got good pieces in the defense, if not a good defense. It's got good bits to it. Like this is a team that should do better, and in almost any other, uh, almost any other division, I think would do a lot better. But because they're in such a tough division, and like, like this is the reason that every team has good pass rushers. Everyone has pressure, and they're a team that doesn't deal well with pressure, as we see from the sack numbers last year. And I think that's where where, where they're going to come up short. Hopefully, maybe they they they, they address this and they kind of rescheme their O line or something. But uh, like. I think they're going to do okay, but I think we're going to see some injuries because of how hard-hitting the division is, and I think this is a team that's not set up to deal with those injuries, so I see them... I'll, I'm not sure if it's a regression. What was it last year? Were they five wins last year? They were quite low. Yeah, they were very low. Yeah, so... Um, but again, like they, they were they were abnormally levels of injuries yeah. last year. But uh, like I think... I As much as I'd like to say they'll progress, because I think they are a slightly better team, I think they're still going to fall foul of the same issues, and I think they're going to be kind of stuck a little bit as being the the whipping boy of this division. Yeah, because I think on offense, they will be better this season, uh, as long as Keenan Allen can stay upright. But even with Travis Benjamin that they brought in, I think he's a good second wide receiver, or at least a change of pace receiver. Yeah. Um, like, they, they, like we'll, we'll see if their running game can evolve. Uh, like, they drafted high last season. That didn't really work out, but they claim he was injured. He claims he was injured, so we'll see how that works out. And, but, that, and, and that follows what we've seen. Almost every player was injured. Yeah. So I think, it, I think like, last season, this 
basically team ground to a halt as the, team, as, the, as the season went on. They had a couple of games where they showed a bit of fight, I think, against your lads. They, yeah. they had a pretty... Uh, Tedious but ex- like exciting final minute. Uh, oh, yeah, like, I, I, I remember it was just like just slowly grinding down to the last seconds, of being like, just don't let them score. It was like nine six, I think, or something. Yeah. But I think I think you're <laughs> right. Football. I think you're right in the sense that overall there's talent there, but there's no reason to believe that there's enough talent to be an elite team. And unfortunately, you know they'll need to be elite. It's a tough situation for them. I think. There's always a chance they could do well. Remember, they went to the playoffs a few seasons ago. No one expected that. So yeah. they have a chance when they have Philip Rivers in charge, but I wouldn't bet on it. That's basically where I'd be right now. Did I? Uh, did you see the, 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 the line about it? Uh, people were complaining about the Chargers front office, and they were like, no, sure, they've, they've drafted uh, three super, like uh, the winners of three separate Super Bowls and like five MVPs and this kind of stuff. And then I was like, oh, who? And then I just thought through it, and they're like, Drew Brees and Eli Manning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. It's pretty, pretty grim altogether. Mm. I think Roland's pretty much on the ball with this one, and also what you said as well, that this is a very talented team that lacks depth, and that's not just in the case of injuries, but also, so in fact, people get tired and you have to substitute during a game. Yeah. And that's going to cause problems for them. There's Philip Rivers is still honestly a very, very good quarterback, but yeah, we don't know what the run game is going to be like. Um, he has weapons if Gates can stay healthy obviously they've drafted uh, Hunter Henry to replace uh, Ladarius Green so they've, they've got weapons from the throw to in the wide receivers you mentioned but there are still question marks about the defence um, the backfield is good if they can all stay healthy they've got obviously Melvin Ingram uh, linebacker but again where's the depth what happens when people get hurt what happens when people get tired are we going to see backups just getting torched and that costing them games and that pretty much is what I would expect from San Diego I don't know what the like upside for them is. They are in a tough division. It's almost like they, they're in a bad spot and they don't have any outs, despite the fact they're not a bad team. But when the going gets tough, it's going to be very difficult for them because, again, of that lack of depth you mentioned. The O-line needs to play better. The linebackers need to play better. And they need to keep everyone on the field. They need a lot of things for them to go right for them to push for the playoffs. So, and the window for Rivers, you don't know how long that's going to be open for. That's it. So that's, that's a concern. That's the, so if I you know San Diego, it's not just about this season. It's going to be I think another tough season for them. Not as disastrous as last season, but a tough one. And then it's like right, but where do you go from here? Because the focal point of your team, how many years does he have left? So I think we're going to need to see San Diego start accepting soon that they're going to have a proper rebuild. And for them, hoping that guys like uh, Melvin Gordon can kick on, that Joey Boza can reinvigorate the pass rush, and things like that. Because if those don't work out, the team is in is in trouble. No, of course. So you've got them going. I have them going seven and nine. Ronan six and ten, and I've got them at five and eleven. Uh, I think the injury broke hits a little bit earlier, um, but yeah. So that, yeah, like we said, just tough division, but they are still a, quite a quality team. It's just unfortunate that we just don't think they'll be able to hack it, uh, given like, who they have to play against all year round. Uh, next up, my boys, the Chiefs. Uh, we've obviously got Jamal Charles back, uh, Schwartz in at right tackle. Chris Jones, the the draft pick, uh, all coming in. We've lost Sean Smith to the fucking Raiders. To <laughs> um, on a surprisingly affordable contract, that pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Um, Stevenson and Allen are gone, and Chase Daniels has become the highest paid third string quarterback <laughs> uh, oh, in really? the world. Um, so yeah, so like question marks from last year. Uh, obviously, 
the question mark over the O-line the O-line was a problem last year up until the back end at the back end they started to get it together hopefully the addition of Schwartz will, will, will help that he was extremely good at right tackle uh, but it then depends on how the rest of the positions shake out uh, we've got Charles back which would be nice but there's always that thing of, it's not just that he's done his ACL again he's now done the ACLs in both legs uh, so that'll be interesting to see but apparently he's up to full speed and he's been in a practice and stuff like that uh, there's also a huge question mark over Justin Houston who had uh, uh, minor surgery on I say minor surgery like there's no such thing as minor surgery reconstructing part of your knee like uh, <laughs> but uh, so his his recovery window is somewhere between being there at game one and being there at the like last five games of the season so like we'll see how that works out if he's not there then they're going to have to rely on uh, D Ford to kind of fill in that spot in the outside pass rush obviously the the release of the Houston uh, storyline suddenly made a lot more sense why they gave the money to Tamba Holly that they did uh, so that they've got that kind of veteran leadership there. Questions in the secondary, obviously lost to Sean Smith, but they do have the Defensive Rookie of the Year in there playing. Uh, there, as we mentioned earlier, Barry hasn't got a long-term agreement in place, but he's still there to kind of marshal the troops from uh, from the safety position. So it'll be interesting to see. There's there's a couple of bits that are that are moving, but relatively static in terms of like what were the the value positions and where they found the game working last year are mostly still in place and potentially with things like the changes to the O-line they might be improved, but then there are now more question marks over the secondary which you have to hope that the that the likes of Chris Jones and the push up the middle from Poe and the linebackers can 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 help give them a bit of a hand. Uh, I'll go to Harry on this one. What's your thoughts? I actually really like Kansas City this year, and possibly more than you do, which is weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's got to you. He's got to you. There are certainly question marks, but there's no glaring weakness on this team, bar Andy Reid's clock management. Yeah. Like Alex Smith has shown that this is a system he can excel in. Yes, Jamal Charles, we don't know how he's going to come back from that, but you've shown that you have a stable of incredibly talented running yeah. backs in there as well. And they got two, they got the pair of them locked up over the offseason on identical contracts. Very smart move, <laughs> very smart move. Um, while you obviously, yeah, like, will, will Houston be back? What's the story with Barry? Like, Barry is still going to be there this season. Um, Houston, if he comes back early, that's obviously huge for you guys, but you still have a lot of talent in those positions. Jeremy Macklin, again, is just been fantastic yeah. as, as a receiver for you and, and uh, Travis Kelsey uh, as well has been, has been a great receiving threat and yeah okay lost Sean Smith is a problem but you have Peters and then you know who's the other guy going to be you've got a lot of you've got a lot of quarterbacks like eight of them you've got a lot of quarterbacks so one of them might one of them might stick but no I think it's very it's a very exciting time for Kansas City and I think particularly with Denver um I think going to fall off a bit mm. and even with Oakland pushing them I think they're in a great position to make the playoffs and, and actually make a run this time because this team is I think as strong as it's been for yeah. a very long period of time there's nothing that is like glaringly stands out as being like this is definitely going to be a weakness that other teams are going to pick on even though there are parts of the team that definitely aren't perfect mm. so and if the O-line gelling towards the end particularly if the O-line gelling towards the end of the back season wasn't just a phase and is actually a genuine sign that there's cohesion there this team is going to be able to do some damage and win a lot more games. I think people are going to give them credit for it. I think they're going to surprise people this season. Who like because Kansas City, I think, are one of those teams that are always a bit underestimated yeah. because they're not um, they're not hugely flashy. There's no like the, the, their quarterback is good, but he's not like a big star name the, kind the, of thing. The best way I heard it explained is like a lot of people just find the way they play football very boring. I genuinely think this is a team that is peaking probably, and I think we're going to see that 
I think we're going to see success come that way. And if you look at how they dealt last season with a pretty chaotic situation at times, but they got through that and were still a, still a good team, still pushing uh, the other teams in their division, still uh, winning games. Um, if they can keep doing that with essentially a full hand, they're in a very very good spot to make a uh, make a real go of it this year. No, I saw it yourself. Like them a lot more if the like the National Football League was an actual league where you know you, you won points similar to like European leagues, whatever like that, instead of having the playoffs. Because the biggest problem is I think is still situational football for them. I think you know in terms of time management, like Andy Reid is being an incredible player in terms of personnel, uh, in terms of putting together a good team and actually coaching them up. But then he does really stupid things with time management and at, at very you know important junctures. Then there's other situations like when they start falling behind. Do they have the capacity to make that back up? They've shown flashes of that, and Alex Smith as a quarterback has shown flashes of it, but it's just not consistent. Like When it comes down to the playoffs, there's a good chance you're going to be behind because you're playing the other best teams. What is Kansas City going to do in those cases? Too often it's been basically roll over and die, basically. So for me, it's a good team, a good, solid, strong team that should on balance probably make the playoffs but do I trust them to go through a long playoff run do I think, trust them to win enough games to get home with that field advantage but I think it would be incredibly vital for them and as well do I trust them to be able to beat a tough team if they start pulling ahead of them I don't think that's I don't think they have that capacity in them still I think that's been a long running problem so I think this is a good team I think they make the playoffs but I don't think it's a team that I would consider a strong Super Bowl contender Obviously, I respect your opinion, but you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, what, what, what's your take then, Ronan? What's your win loss? So I have them going ten and six. I have them going twelve and four. I have them going fourteen and two and making it to the Super Bowl. Ooh, exciting times! Mm. Uh, and then the final team we're going to move on to, uh, Go Chiefs, uh, is uh, is the uh, the Oakland Raiders, the stabby stabbies of the uh, of the NFL. Oh well, since Ray Lewis left, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, We've had uh, Osamali come in, Sean Smith uh, preserving. Uh, they've lost Woodson, Talk and Webb. Uh, oh no, Jamarcus Webb, whatever <laughs> will we do? Seattle's um, new right tackle. Oh, obviously, Raiders, a team massively on the rise, have looked good. They've been gathering good young pieces, drafting well, uh, like really well. I'm very impressed. And I don't say that lightly because fuck the Raiders, but like they've been doing very, very well. Uh, they've added a couple of free agents to kind of fill in slots where in, very specifically in the type of way the teams that believe they're kind of on that cusp would be fit bringing in these players so I think that's very interesting they've lost Woodson who obviously was like 65 years old but also played out of his fucking skin last year so that's that, that, that's going to be very interesting to see they've got a good run game in place they've got uh, Amari Cooper as kind of their big wide receiver threat they've got a good quarterback even though he looks like he plays like a late 90s fucking emo band this is a team that has a lot of good young talent uh, I think they've added good pieces here they have a, I think they've netted more added than they have lost this off season which is a very very it's essentially it's what you want to see in the yeah. off season but um, I do have concerns of are they mature enough to be able to kind of the, the criticisms you had there of the Chiefs run where you were saying like are they a team who can like face adversity and get past it I'm not sure if they are I think they've got some players that have that but I think they are overall a very young team who haven't had to deal with that so far I think they're going to look better I think they're going to improve their record I think 
they're going to look stronger, especially with kind of the drop off in the Broncos and stuff in in a vacuum. I'm <laughs> not happy to see them. Pretty much agree with most of that. I think the one thing that's of interest there is you're talking about like you're losing players like Charles Woodson and to a lesser extent Justin Tuck who were leaders on the field uh, particularly like basically Charles Woodson was the identity of this team so particularly on the defense and there's question marks over whether losing someone uh, as iconic as that might have an effect in terms of who's going to pick up that slack and take over because they have young players who can be that obviously Derek Carr being a prime uh, suspect for taking up that role but we haven't seen that proven yet what that means for me, though, then, is that the real X factor is Jack Del Rio, like their head coach. Is he a good head coach? Like, he was able to coast on, was an ascending team, but where the pressure wasn't really on last season because people had some expectations but didn't really expect him to, like, win the Super Bowl and like that. It was a team that had a lot of young players coming through, a lot of rookies. So he had some, basically, rope uh, there. But now the expectations are on. They've gone out on this free agency splurge. They need to put a team together and they've lost their big, biggest leader on the field. So what is Jack Del Rio going to do? Is he going to face up to that and bring this team together and be an effective head coach? Or is he going to be shown uh, to be a pretender or a chancer, basically? Um, like his previous head coaching career is good, not great. So I think he... It's incredibly important to whether all of the things you've mentioned about why they should be a good team will actually come together. And I think that's a big question mark. Like right now, I think it's pretty much unknown. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a reasonably fair assessment. It is a big test for Del Rio again. How do you perform when the pressure is on? For the team itself, how do they perform the players when the pressure is on? Particularly as, as you talk about with the departure of a lot of uh, experience within the team. But, you know, I think they're probably going to be okay. I think they have enough talent to get through it. And I think guys like Derek Carr have shown that they can be leaders and I mean you have guys like uh, like Malcolm Smith there as well who would be in a position to take over a leadership role on the defence um, guys who MVP, have exactly Super, Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith <laughs> guys, guys like that I'm not, I'm not going to say Bruce Irvin because he's a bit a uh, situational player but um, you've got a, a guy like Smith who, who can do that or even even, uh, even Khalil Mack like they have I think they have talent I think they have confidence on their side as well they know they're a team in the ascendancy and I think that's going to be a big thing now that can backfire if things start to go wrong and people start to doubt themselves and that's where as you say the importance of the uh, coaching staff's ability to keep the team on track comes in but look I think this is a team that's got some of the best young players in the league I mean you look at guys I think Derek Carr is a fantastic quarterback yeah. I think we've seen him progress year on year and if he keeps going in that direction he is going to be like a few years down the line if he keeps going in the direction he's going we're going to be talking about it in the same way that we talk about the likes of Aaron Rodgers now I genuinely believe that if he keeps progressing uh, Amari Cooper is an absolute stud you've got then guys like uh, Clive Walford who are making waves saying this is going to you know, add a new aspect to the offense Latavius Murray is still a good running back and then of course on the defensive side you've got obviously your Khalil Max and players like that who can are just really disruptive and effective players so the talent is all there um, we've seen the team progressing, we've seen the team making additions where they need to be made, and I think this is the year for them where it should all be coming together now. And barring, like you say, a failure of leadership, it's difficult to see how it doesn't come together and the Raiders become a truly relevant team again like they used to be. It's all about those intangibles, basically. Like yeah. This is a team that should do well, but there's some intangible stuff there we need to see come together to yeah. like put them in the elite of the AFC. And obviously, as we mentioned, this is a tough division, so they won't be given anything in this case. Yeah. No, no. no absolutely. But they, they've been, look, I mean, in terms of what you say about the free agency, look, they've been, their veteran pickups before have worked out. Like, look at a guy like Michael Crabtree, who's absolutely revitalised in Oakland. If they can get other vets they picked up to do that, in addition to the young talent they have, 
there's no reason why they can't uh, they can't be a threat and be a relevant team uh, this season. No, that's it. So what you what have you got them at, Harry? So I have them going eleven and five and being eliminated in the divisional round. And yourself, Ronan? Eleven and five. I've got them at ten and six. Definitely achieving the ascendancy here. So lads, that's that. That's the that's all of the previews done. Uh, also, as a side note, that is the end of our first season of podcasts. Se- season zero. Season zero. <laughs> Season zero point one. Yeah. <laughs> starts. Uh, it all starts. It all starts uh, next year. Uh, so uh, thirty episodes, lads. How did you find it? Oh Jesus, uh, loved it. Uh, the editing less so. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing quite like listening back to your own voice and oh, having yeah. to cut it down. <laughs> so, so as a reward, you're heading off to Africa. Is that yeah, correct, Connor? Swinging off on Thursday. Oh yeah, we're we're, we're going to take a break for like three or four weeks uh, up until like kind of I think second week of preseason or something. Uh, you're heading um, off as well, Harry? I am. I'm going to Canada. So we're all taking a well-deserved break, except Ronan, who's going to Cork. <laughs> <laughs> but the break never ends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, been a, it's been a ride so far. Um, there's a lot to look forward to, and there's a, a lot going to happen, I think, over the next few months. And we'll, oh, yeah. we'll see where we're at and how everything's shaping up when the, uh, when the kickoff comes around. Yeah. So I think the current plan is to have one week three or so of the preseason, where we'll review whatever happens in the preseason, aka not very much. Mm. Like the preseason's weird. It's like it's good if you're following an individual team, but as a as a whole analysis of the NFL, it's oh, relatively yeah. boring. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do our um, best to spice it up. Yeah. But maybe maybe I'll release one on the slide when you guys are out. Yeah, just uh, just <laughs> well, uh, my fantasy fantasy podcast. Ronan's you know? pretty sure I'm pretty sure I didn't give you the password to SoundCloud for a reason. Yeah, Ronan's, Ronan talks for one hour, finishes <laughs> nearly a whole topic. <laughs> and those ones we'll do our previews of the first lining up of games as well. That's yeah, yeah, like we'll do because I'd say I'd say like we'll target week three, get one done then, uh, so we can kind of go. This is what we've seen. We've now seen all the parts where actual players are going to be playing, uh, and then we can do kind of a preview to the to the opening week. Rather than when we started this podcast, where we just did, uh, oh, so week one just happened. We decided to do a podcast. <laughs> Quick, let's play catch up. Yeah, um, efficiency, so spontaneous. But no, it was good fun. Now, thanks very much to all the listeners as well for questions and comments and downloading and listening and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's been real fun. Uh, but thank Christ, I don't have to talk to you anymore, and I'm going to go on fucking holidays. Uh, <laughs> No, it's a little bit good crack. Uh, so I suppose all I'll say for now is uh, bye from myself, bye from Ronan, bye, and bye from Harry. Bye. Catch you in about a month's time. <laughs> <laughs>